0: Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. Today, we are answering a listener question. And if you would like to ask a listener question, you can do it on our website, authormedia.com, or by calling the listener helpline, 512-827-8377. And without further ado, let's play the question.
1: Hi, Thomas. Big fan of the podcast. I have a question about print on demand. I'm preparing a book for paperback publication on the Amazon KDP service. And when pricing it, I looked at similar traditionally published books, something in the same genre and around the same page count is coming in at five pounds sterling. But when I use the KDP royalty calculator, the minimum list price is coming out at six 19 and that's before I make a profit. So it's going to be difficult to be competitive in this market, middle-grade fiction. So my question, is this just the plight of print-on-demand authors? It feels like a Catch-22 situation. To break into the literature world, you need to be read. But to be read, your books need to be affordable. So you have to print in bulk, which helps if you're traditionally published. So you must be a big shot already, you get the idea. Anyway, I want to stay positive and I want to get my book out in the world. So any advice from you would be greatly appreciated. Thanks.
0: Craig, thank you for the question. And I totally feel uh, the frustration uh, that you have and not sure uh, what to do or what the best uh, strategy is going to be. And so uh, what I'd like to do to answer your question, I know a lot of people have similar questions when it comes to the actual paper part of the indie publishing scene. So I'm gonna get into the nitty gritty. If you are traditionally published, this is an episode that you can skip. You'll learn a little bit about what your publisher does, but these are things that you won't have to mess with. But if you're traditionally published, knowing the difference between print on demand and offset is critical. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about paper. <laughs> so, uh, paper prices are going up around, at least in the United States, and I suspect around the world. And the reason for this is because of Amazon. I was at an industry gathering, it was the uh, executives of a lot of top publishing houses. And this was one of the big things that they were facing. <laughs> it was a big deal in their world because um, paper books are such a big part of their business. And the the reason that paper uh, is going up in price is because a lot of paper companies are switching from making paper for books to making paper cardboard boxes for Amazon. <laughs> so the Amazon is at fault, but in a way that they're not normally at fault. It's not like Amazon is doing something through their store, that is, you know, causing you know, the pa- is disrupting the paper supply directly. It's just that so many people are ordering so many things from Amazon; they all need to be put into cardboard boxes. And the kinds of factories that make paper often also are the kinds of factories that make cardboard. And so they're switching to making more cardboard and less paper because that's where the demand is. And the result of less supply and the same demand, because people are reading as many paper books as they were last year, for the most part, is that the price of paper is going up. This is affecting everyone, not just indie authors, but it's it is something to understand that's happening in the industry. And it gives an advantage to somebody who got their books printed, like let's say they got 100,000 books printed five years ago, back when paper was cheap, and that those books are in a warehouse, they're able to sell their books cheaper than you could selling that exact same book using their exact same printer today. So let's uh, get into the nitty gritty of print on demand versus offset. And first I'd like to explain kind of what print on demand is and how it works. Uh, print on demand is what is popular with most indie authors and it uses a uh, technology that's similar to what your like office laser printer uses. It uses a drum to uh, apply toner to paper using electricity and heat uh, and the Uh, the pros of this is that logistically, it's very easy for the author to do. The companies that do print-on-demand, there's just two of them, really, uh, that I would recommend. Uh, Almost every other company contracts with these two, so you might as well work with those two directly, and those are Amazon and Ingram. Uh, They do everything for you, so logistically, it's a lot easier to do print-on-demand because there's no warehouse, right? The book is ordered, and then it's printed, and it's shipped so you don't have to worry about warehousing. It's the ultimate just-in-time technology. Now it's also very low risk. You're not gonna have, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of books stuck in your garage with print on demand. Uh, you're also able to iterate and make changes. And this is a really big advantage, especially if it's your first book. Uh, You may have a lot of errors in the first book or mistakes, or you learn things, you wanna make changes. Well, print on demand, you can't. There's nothing keeping you from putting out a version 1.1 a version 1.2. I know books that have been revised in their print on demand versions dozens of times. In fact, the author just keeps them up to date. So whenever you buy the book, it's the up to date version of that book. Uh, There's also, it's very inexpensive in terms of startup costs, and it's very fast. You uh, you get that first book incredibly quickly. And and print-on-demand, what's fun about it is that you can print just one book. That's like the ultimate holy grail of what makes print-on-demand special. Uh, because it's using, it's basically a laser printer. I mean, that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but it's uh, the companies that make the actual printers are often the same companies that make the printers that you would use in your own house. Uh, You know, these are big names that you would recognize, except a print-on-demand printer is a lot more expensive, Uh, a lot more expensive, and you need a factory to put it in. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the cons of print on demand. Uh, it's, it's expensive on a per unit basis. Uh, so while you know, t- your total outlay is less because you're only paying for the books that you want, so maybe you only get 100 books printed initially, um, you're paying more per book than you would with offset, which we'll talk about next. Um, so if you were to print 1,000 books, it's a lot more with print on demand than it is with offset printing. Uh, you're also reduced in your printing options. So if you're wanting uh, fancy paper or embossing, or you want a hole cut in the pages, like um, you know, the famous children's book, The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar has a hole in the page for the you know, toddler to put their finger through and be the caterpillar, can't do that with print on demand. You have to go offset for those kinds of fancy features. If you want your book printed on fancy wizard's paper, it needs to be uh, offset. Uh, And another con is that there's really only two companies uh, to pick from when it comes to print-on-demand. There's Amazon KDP Print, which used to be called CreateSpace, and IngramSpark. Uh, Most of the other companies just um, add cost and use the same factory. So mo- basically, you're either working with Amazon directly or you're working with Ingram, really. That's what almost all the other companies use. And you might as well work with Ingram directly and not have to pay the middleman uh, to add cost because a lot of the companies add a ton of cost, uh, which is really unfortunate. And I will say, Craig, for children's books especially, do price compare cuz Ingram is sometimes cheaper for children's books. And I know you're writing middle grade, and so that's kind of um it could be a lot of things and maybe that's just a traditional book, uh, but I would encourage you to to compare the price between Ingram and Amazon KDP print. I find that for the typical 200-page book, Amazon KDP print comes in a little bit cheaper and it's also a little bit easier cuz it's right there in the Amazon platform. But for weird books, Often, Amazon is not ideal. All right, let's talk about offset printing. Offset printing, it uses metal plates to apply ink to paper. Uh, so it's not that dissimilar to what Gutenberg was doing. Now, what Gutenberg did, instead of having a single metal plate, he would put a little metal type into a wooden block and use that to press uh, by hand. Uh, offset doesn't do that anymore. We have a more efficient system. Uh, but what it does is it kind of... Uh, your Each page is scratched into uh, an aluminum plate, and that plate is filled with ink and pressed very quickly onto the page. Uh, So this is uh, very fast for printing a lot of books. Uh, So if you wanted to print 100,000 copies of your book, Offset might actually be faster than print-on-demand, because while print-on-demand is making your book one at a time, you can make your books in batch um, with your plates with Offset Printing offset printing also is using ink instead of toner although i will say uh, people can't tell the difference it's not um a knowable thing you couldn't look and be like oh i can tell this is toner as opposed to ink um, it's black blackness on a white page <laughs> so um but it is that it's a different technology and the reason why offset is so expensive on an upfront basis is that you have to get those metal plates made somebody's got to scratch that um, page into the aluminum or press it into, the, into those aluminum sheets. And um, that's expensive. Um, when you're only doing two or three books, it's exorbitantly expensive. If you're doing a million books, it's basically free. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the pros and cons of offset printing. Uh, the pros is that it scales well. Uh, so you use the same metal sheets over and over again. Also, if you get a book reprinted and you are keeping uh, the metal sheets, you know if they're stored, you can reprint relatively inexpensively as well. And this is why uh, one of the differences between indie and uh, traditional. When an indie book gets reprinted or it gets modified, often a lot of changes are introduced, improvements and tweaks. Whereas um, a printing of a book, often almost nothing has changed because they're reusing potentially those metal plates. Maybe they're not being uh, saved. You know, maybe they're melted down and used for some other book. But if they are saved, uh, you can save some money by reusing them. The biggest pros it's cheap on a per unit basis, you know, be able to get paperback books for a dollar a copy, uh, potentially, and maybe a little bit more now that the price of paper has gone up. Uh, you could never do that with print on demand. Uh, print on demand is closer to uh, 3 to $4 a copy uh, right now. And I'm not sure what the pricing is in the UK, I know you're based in the UK, uh, so um, I'd imagine it's... It's similar pricing in terms of how many pounds to how many dollars. I just know the dollar or the the pound is stronger, so more expensive. So it's effectively more expensive for you. Um, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, another uh, pro is that you have a lot of flexibility with the paper options. So if you want the fancy wizards paper, and you want the embossing, the spot gloss on the cover, all those things are very easy to do or are doable with offset printing it costs extra to do it but you know you may decide that it's worth it
1: uh
0: so some of the cons of, of offset printing uh one is that it's a little more difficult to interact with the companies uh, they're less indie friendly they're expecting you to come in uh, knowing what you're doing <laughs> and already have you know a typeset page that's ready for their printer because uh, they're typically they work with professionals um you know, a professional works at the company. So there's somebody who works at the publisher and all they do is the typesetting and they provide the PDF files just the way uh, the printer wants it. Um, that said, well, there's only two uh, print-on-demand companies, really, there are hundreds of offset companies, believe it or not. In fact, your local town probably has a company that is capable of doing offset printing. I found that uh, the where these uh, companies are located is typically very near the main post office for your city because uh, these companies, they use the same kind of printers that they could use for books or similar printers, with they use for books for lots of like direct mail. Uh, so mailing out catalogs or mailing out other sorts of things like that junk mail. <laughs> well, I'll just say it, junk mail, um, that they are in that business. And so they, they, it's beneficial for them to be near the post office because they're taking tons and tons of paper to the post office to be distributed. And it may be worth it to go and visit your local printer and, and talk to them. I, I visited our local printer. They were right around the corner from our offices uh, for a time. I took my whole staff at Author Media uh, down there. And they gave us a tour of their facility, and they you know, printed you know, all kinds of things. And they took us to a library of books that they had printed for various authors at various times. And uh, also, they do a lot of printing of books that aren't for sale. Uh, so, let's say you've got a corporation and you're putting together a manual, right, for your fifty thousand employees. They do that kind of printing. Uh, but a lots of catalogs. So the kind of uh, company that can print a catalog and distribute it to 50,000 houses is the same kind of company potentially that could print a a book for you. And so you just go and you you talk to them and you can get a bid. So, uh, some other cons, it's a slow process. Uh, it, you know, that first book gets to you slower because they've got to make those metal p- plates. And part of the reason why it's slower, and this is another con, is that proofing is really important. Once those metal plates are made, it's very expensive and time-consuming uh, to make changes. And once the books are printed, there's nothing you can do, right? So if you have a major error and you printed 5,000 copies, those that error is in all 5,000 copies. There's nothing you can do about it, which is why traditional publishers have such a higher culture of proofreading and editing and error checking. because in indie world with print on demand and ebooks, you can have a major error in your book. Somebody catches it in the first week, you change it on the ebook and it goes out to everyone on a Kindle. They all get the new version, so the error disappears. And only people who bought the paper book in that first week ever even see the error because then you change it and that's print on demand version of the book and the error disappears. So maybe, you know, depending on how strong of a launch you had, maybe only a few hundred copies of the version with the error ever go out. Uh, Whereas if you're traditionally published, that error is in every single paper copy. And you may be selling books with that error in it years from now, because they're sitting in the warehouse. Speaking of warehouses, that brings us to the next con, which is that uh, offset printing is logistically complex. So because you're getting so many copies printed, You have to have a logistical plan, a logistical plan for what to do with those copies once they come off the printer. So some printing companies offer warehousing as a service. Um, In fact, the one we got a tour of, they offered that as a service. It was, I don't know, $50 a month per pallet, plus plus, uh, you know, uh, per unit handling fee. I don't remember exactly what the prices were, but that was kind of the approach uh, that they were using. Uh, what I recommend if you're going with Offset is to just hire Ingram to do your distribution. They're the biggest uh, book distributor in the world. They have really good global presence in a lot of different places, and they are who um, all the bookstores know how to talk to. Everybody knows how to work with Ingram, and so, uh, there are reasons to go with smaller uh, distributors. And I work with companies that work with smaller distributors. But if you don't know what those smaller distributors are, I recommend you go with Ingram. So Ingram's main business is taking pallets of books and helping them get to bookstores. Uh, they added the print-on-demand indie stuff recently. All right, uh, the next kind of uh, printing is something that's sometimes called digital printing. and uh, Publishers often will kind of make this A little confusing, but this is similar technology to what print on demand uses. In fact, I suspect in some cases, it's the exact same machine in the warehouse. Um, But these are used for uh, often small publishers use these when they do short runs. So they will do a short run of 500 copies or 1000 copies of a book. And these are getting uh, digitally printed rather than printed with ink. Uh, and it 's a hybrid in terms of the pros and cons so it 's not as cheap as traditional offset and it 's not as fast as uh, traditional print on demand it 's kind of a hybrid in between and it 's a little hard to find, uh, but I found that some companies will offer this, uh, and when you are getting your books priced often you 'll see a, a shift in pricing when you move from their digital printing quantities, which is often five hundred to fifteen hundred into their offset quantities, which typically starts around 1500 and goes into the millions uh, on your per unit cost. But I I don't really recommend focusing too much on the per unit cost. Uh, Instead, I, I really encourage you to focus on the amount of money it costs to actually do the printing, to do the print run. Um, because it doesn't matter what you spent on a book if you can't sell it. So, uh, and I've seen a lot of authors make this mistake. In fact, this is by far the most common mistake indie authors used to make before the days of print-on-demand, was they were overly optimistic with how well their book would sell. So they have thousands. I knew one author with 100,000 copies of his book, you know, because he got so dazzled by the per unit cost. He's like, well, gosh, if I print 100,000, I can get these for a dollar a copy. Why not? So he spent $100,000 printing 100,000 copies of his book. Uh, And he could afford to do it. But now he's still paying, you know, 10 years later for those books to be stored somewhere. All right, so which do you choose, right? Which is the right pick? Well, for adult fiction, print-on-demand is almost always the way to go. The money is in eBooks, really. For most indie authors, that's where they're making their money. Now, uh, eventually, if you get to be a big enough indie author, it might make sense if you know for sure, you know, your last four books all sold five thousand copies in paper. Well, if that was the case, I would actually strongly consider getting bids from uh, traditional offset companies to see how much it would cost for you to uh, print up those books uh get a bid from ingram for how much to do the distribution people would buy it through amazon and all the other places normally just how they normally do it and you may find that you'll actually dramatically increase your margins right because you were paying four dollars a book to do it with print on demand and you go offset you buy your five thousand copies and it costs you you know, $10,000, $12,000 to do that. And suddenly you're making twice as much money per book without having to change your price point. It also lets you get a little bit more aggressive on the price point. Uh, For nonfiction, uh, it really depends on the size of your platform. So if you speak a lot, offset actually could work. And there's a lot of speakers who will go offset because they know they can sell enough books in person to justify buying up you know, 5,000 copies of their book in bulk. And um, so the question really is, can you sell 2,500 paper copies in the first year or two of when the book comes out? And so assuming that you can sell to 25% of your audience, which you know, depends on what kind of audiences you speak to and what kind of speaking you do, uh, that would mean speaking in front of at least 10,000 people per year. Or over those two years, and so you know, for some people, they speak to 2, 000, ten thousand people, you know, every month or two, and so they're like, "Well, gosh, it really makes sense for me to do it." I I've worked with authors who've spoken to whole uh, basketball arenas full of people, and they'll move you know, a thousand copies of uh, their book in a day, <laughs> maybe several thousand copies of their book in a day, you know, they're doing very, very well. Uh, but for a lot of people, if you're just like doing workshops at, you know, kind of smaller conferences, and you're just speaking to a few hundred people here or there, um, print, on, print on demand is definitely the better option. Uh, for children's books, Offset is much more common, uh, because children uh, expect the kind of features that offset printing provides. And I have been uh, transformed into a children's book expert. That's all I read now. Uh, My daughter is just an insane uh, book reader. She's constantly coming up to me with books. And unfortunately, it's the same books over and over again. We we have over 100 children's books, and all she wants is the same four or five books. Um, But thankfully, it does change every month a book gets dropped from her top picks, and a new book gets added to, to Mercy. I, maybe I should keep a Mercy's list of the books that she's really into. The problem is, is she has very basic tastes. So, well, my wife and I have very exotic tastes. My uh, daughter really likes Goodnight Moon, <laughs> Dr. Seuss ABC. Uh, you know, really, you know, popular books in that regard. The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar is a, another one that she really likes. So, there's a good chance. If you are going with children's books, you you may want to consider offset printing and middle grades kind of there as well, potentially where you may really want to consider offset printing. So, how do you solve that conundrum? How do you solve that? I need $10,000 to make my book exist problem. Well. Um, the first way to help solve it is to build a following. This is where kind of being known is helpful, right? Ha- having a platform, doing the sorts of things we talk about on this podcast, about building an email list, for instance, and yeah, building a following and becoming known, you know, getting in front of folks. I, um, there's a few children's authors I've worked with. Uh, one of them is a team. They work uh, running the uh, Sunday school program for a mega church. And they have access to hundreds and hundreds of children every Sunday to beta test their books on, and being in a mega church, they're connected with a bunch of other mega churches as well, All right? That's a big platform makes it really easy if if they decide to go indie, uh, they can very easily get their books in front of a lot of children and move a lot of copies. Another author that I've worked with uh, speaks at. I want to say 50 schools a year maybe may have been 100 schools a year and he does them on like a two-year rotation so like he'll come back to the same school after two years because there's a new group of kids so the school knows who he is and he comes and he does some sort of performance or maybe it's a reading of some kind and he just sells tons of books um, to the parents of those kids and to those um, those schools so there's a lot of hustling with children's books. And and unlike kind of traditional fiction where there's not a lot of live events that are really looking for... Um, you know, fiction authors to come and do a reading. There are unlimited children's events uh, looking for somebody to come and do a reading. Every library would be very happy to have you do a reading of a children's book, uh, because there's just basically unlimited demand. And as the father of a toddler, I can tell you, having somebody else read to my kid, (laughs) it's really nice, because I get really, really tired of these same five books over and over again. And somebody introducing a new book. um, It's like, ooh, how about this one? I'll buy you this one. It's new. It's not the same book. I already read you 10 times today. Uh, so um, taking it on tour. And middle grade is, uh, again, it's, it's kind of in between adult fiction and children's fiction. There are still opportunities to do middle grade readings. Uh, it's less with libraries, though, and more with schools. So you may have opportunities to do middle grade reading um, with libraries, but schools are very, very uh, willing for people to come in and do that. So there's a tool I'd like to recommend uh, for all of you to kind of help solve this puzzle. And that is crowdfunding. Uh, So the authors that I know who have gone with Offset, the indie authors who've gone with Offset and had 2,500 copies of their book printed and who are happy about it in the end, (laughs) were often authors who crowdfunded. They raised the money to print their book before the book came out. This is where you put your book on a website like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, and this works really well for children's books, especially middle grade as well, but not as well, um, but better than adult fiction, which is harder. So children's books are really easy. And the reason why children's books are so easy is that they're very visual. It's very easy to demonstrate the book. Um, You you can show the art from the book. You can maybe read the whole book on your two-minute video, right, Um, you know, demoing it. And uh, children's books uh, do really well on Kickstarter, although you'll see all kinds of books do well. I've crowdfunded uh, half a dozen novels on Kickstarter, helping companies do that. And I've created a course, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And I've had a lot of students who've gone through this course successfully crowdfunded their books. In fact, they often send me a copy of their crowdfunded book which is really fun. I I have listeners send me copies of their books, uh, which is really fun. But of all of the books that are sent me, the ones I enjoy the most are the ones that are from somebody who went through the crowdfunding course, they were able to raise the money that they needed uh, to make their book a reality. And now it's a reality. And they didn't think they could afford it. And now they could. In the course, we walk through how to run a crowdfunding campaign, and the first step is to build a crowd. So we talk about how do you build a crowd, and then the next step is to build a campaign. So we talk, we go into the nitty gritty on both Indiegogo and Kickstarter. We also have a session that compares them with pros and cons. Um, but we go into the actual campaign itself and we talk about you know, how to put the campaign together, uh, strategies for getting to 100% and the strategies for going beyond 100% and how to plan your stretch goals, how to put together budget, the whole thing step by step. And I have, um, I don't even know how many people uh, have successfully crowdfunded, but it's quite a few after going through this course. You don't have to go through the course to do it. There's a lot of great books on crowdfunding. Um, But I'll give you a few more tips here. Uh, and I'm, I'm still fighting this cold, so my, I'm about to lose my voice. But I'll give you, give you a few uh, quick tips. Um, one is, you know, as I already mentioned, build the crowd uh, first. Another one is back a lot of campaigns of other people's crowdfunding campaigns first. This is not just a, you know, so so you can reap kind of idea, but it's also a learning opportunity for you. You learn so much backing other campaigns. And I've actually seen the statistics on this, that your likelihood of funding goes up dramatically with the number of campaigns that you've backed. So if you've only backed one campaign, your likelihood of funding is like 15 or 20%, whereas uh, creators who've backed over 50 campaigns have a 60% chance of funding and of hitting their funding goal, which is a really good, those are really good odds just taken you know, at face value with not looking at any other factors. Uh, The other thing about crowdfunding, I'll say real quick, if you don't hit your funding goal, no one's charged and you're not obligated to make the book work. So this is a really great way of testing your idea without spending a lot of money, right? You pitch the idea, you ask the world, hey, do you want this? And if the world says no, you're not out of fortune making it happen. If it's um, the sort of idea that can only be manifested with uh, offset printing. The other strategy is to just be more expensive, right, and target the higher end of part of the market, right? Not everyone is price sensitive. You know, while 50 cents difference in price or Uh, a pound or two difference in price is a really big deal for some people. It's not a deal for other people. And so, uh, in fact, some people would prefer to buy a more premium product, right? There's all kinds of worldviews that people have when it comes to money. It has nothing to do with how wealthy they are. (laughs) Some of the stingiest people I know are some of the wealthiest people I know, and some of the most um, free spenders I know are some of the poorest people I know, which it's probably a principle in there, actually, if you think about it. Um, but anyway, you, you can target different parts of, of the market. So don't be too afraid of being uh, the cheapest. Because uh, you can go with that uh, premium uh, positioning. So, th- those are a couple of my quick tips. Back a bunch of campaigns on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, build your crowd first, and build an email list ahead of time. If you do those three things, you're well on your way to having a successful uh, launch. And read at least a book. <laughs> so, if you don't read my book, read, or if you don't go through my course, at least go through somebody's book on crowdfunding. Um, When we created the course on crowdfunding, there was nothing out there hardly. It was the first ever course on crowdfunding that successfully crowdfunded itself. So a bunch of people had tried crowdfunding, crowdfunding courses, and we were the first ones to do it and succeed, <laughs> uh, uh, which is which was fun. I, I, that was a, a kind of a fun um, bragging rights uh, that I have. So anyway, our sponsor today, I've already been talking about it quite a bit. It's the Ultimate Crowdfunding Course for Authors. This is a course I put together um, with Mary DeMuth, and it is excellent. And it, I'll, I'll back it up with a guarantee, right? If you're not you know, totally satisfied with this course, let us know in thirty days and we'll refund you. You get to keep all the knowledge that you gain by going through the course. Um, but it it really is very helpful. and it will teach you how to raise money for your book ahead of time before it comes out, and how to do it successfully. And before I forget, I should mention that patrons save fifty percent on uh, the course. Speaking of patrons, Our featured patron is Mary DeMuth, author of We Too. Advocate Mary DeMuth unpacks the church's response to sexual violence and provides a healthy framework for the church to become a haven of healing instead of an institution of judgment. And her story, her, her first book on this, or her book that led up to We Too that was published with a major publisher and has had a major media campaign, a podcast tour, and things we've already talked about, but her book that led up to this was rejected by everyone and she had to crowdfund it. So uh, she and I, I, I helped her take it to Indiegogo. She set a goal of 10,000 dollars because she wanted to go with offset printing and she wanted to use all the same people she would use if she was normally traditionally published and she raised $25,000. So she not only was able to ra- uh, had all the money that she needed to print the book uh, with a major printer but also to record the audiobook at a audiobook studio. Uh, so if you were c- curious about becoming a patron, you can find out more at authormedia.com. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about being a parent is uh, Mercy's sense of childlike wonder. She finds wonder in the most commonplace things. <laughs> Currently, she loves Tupperware. Uh, she loves. Uh, she gets into the cabinet where we s- uh, store our Tupperware uh, or our plastic where it's not Tupperware brand, uh, and she carries it all over the house. She loves to bang it on things and just hold it. And it was also fun watching her. I took her to the store and she just loved the anti-shoplifting camera. So she would just stare at this screen and she saw herself on her screen and her eyes lit up and she was just so excited to see herself on screen. And things that we normally would take as an annoyance or just a normal part of everyday life as a child, she's seeing it uh, for the very first time. And it reminded me that wonder is a powerful emotion It's a powerful thing to work into your writing because we all want to experience that sense of wonder, especially in certain genres. The sense of wonder is a really powerful motivating psychographic element for readers. So, for fantasy, for instance, and even in some sci-fi, wonder is very powerful. And as we get older, we get more jaded and we get more cynical, and it's tempting to lose that sense of wonder, uh, and yet we never lose the desire to experience the wonder. So while it's harder to be dazzled, it's almost that we long to be dazzled even more the older that we get. And so my encouragement for you is to think about ways in your writing this week to elicit wonder in your reader? How can you elicit wonder in the scene? How can you elicit wonder in your argument even? And how can you do it with the ideas that you present? If you work a little bit of wonder into your writing, it may be that extra spice that just gives your writing that little extra bit of sizzle that pushes it over the edge. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer on a future episode, uh, do give us a call, 512-827-8377. If you want to leave a phone uh, voicemail message with your question, or you can be like our um, person today and you can upload it to to authormedia.com and you can upload a nice, high-quality recording. Uh, And that way you can get it just the way you want it. Uh, But do feel free to mention your name when you uh, leave your question. You can do that at authormedia.com forward slash contact. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself online, offline, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.